The only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24 access to clean and safe places. And Love's has given us a $25 game day gift card to give away each week. This is all you have to do to be entered to win this week's gift card. Tweet a picture of you stopping at Love's on your way to the OU game this weekend or OSU game. We'll, we'll accept either. And make sure you tag the podcast Twitter account and Love's Twitter account. We'll contact you if you are the winner. Pretty simple. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all of the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. The coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com and make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service finance institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solution for your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, here he is, the voice of the K-State Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. It is our pleasure to be joined by a man that is in his 20th season as the voice of Kansas State Wildcats football. Wyatt Thompson is in the house. What is going on, man? How are you guys? It's so good to be with you. Uh, I'm doing great. I really am. I'm uh, I'm excited for the start that this team is off to, despite what happened last week in Stillwater. Uh, it's always fun, you know, getting together with Oklahoma. And we've got Hall of Fame weekend this weekend, and guys like Jordy Nelson and David Allen and Darren Sproles, three of our all-time best. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, great! I can't wait to see Darren Sproles again. <laughs> I, every time we go up there to Manhattan, it's you know, having played in that 2003 game, it's yeah. just salt in the wounds, man. Brutal. Yeah, and I get that. I do. I, I I look back on it now, and I think about how lucky I was to be a part of it because you remember this. Oklahoma's team going into the game, they talked about it being maybe the best college football team ever assembled. And what I, I just think it was such a great thing for Coach Snyder because he came he came so close in '98 and the fumble in the A and M. Big 12 championship game in St. Louis and to beat a team like that to, to win that, that first title was something special. It, I know, I know it's salt in your wounds, but, but for all K-Staters, I think they'll be talking about that one a hundred years from now. I really do. Shut up, Gabe. I could see you laughing. Shut up. <laughs> it just as long as we don't talk about 2012, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. You guys got it. You got a little of that. Each of you, right? Oh yeah, yeah. little, yeah. little bit, little bit. Still went three and one. Just saying what. But oh, okay. I mean, let's get to it, man. Okay, Skylar Thompson. Skylar Thompson. What's the latest? I I know that Chris said that 
it was very unlikely that he plays in this football game. I'm not quite sure I fully believe Coach Kleiman on that, but what's the latest on the star quarterback for the Wildcats, or is it going to be the combo of Will Howard and Jaron Lewis in this one? So, you know what? I don't have the 100% accurate answer that you're probably looking for, and Tyler I'm sure Thompson you would surmise that. Play. Okay, writing yeah. it down now. Uh, yeah. okay, good. <laughs> but you know what? Here's the thing, and, and I'm just being honest about this. At his Tuesday press conference, he closed the door a long way, but didn't totally shut it. So I understand why you kind of see it the way you do. On top of that, you know this. You guys both know this. He was in Stillwater. He threw some passes, you know, in pregame. I think he's made a lot of progress. I'm just really thrilled for the kids still being out there and having a chance. And I just think when and it, when it first happened, we all thought, oh, boy, boy this is going to be the, the second time in two years with a season-ending injury. And fortunately, it's not that. And so I am – see these crossing the fingers? The chances are a lot better. They may not be great anyway, but they're a lot better if old number seven's out there, and you guys know that for sure. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, uh, I would go as far as saying that there may not be a chance without him out there. The team—it's two different teams, two totally different teams. Sure. And that, and here's the thing for me is like Skylar Thompson. I think he's been a great college quarterback. He's been fantastic watching him all along there at Kansas State. I don't think he's an NFL guy. I think this is his last year playing college football. He's able to warm up. He's able to do some things. You've taken a loss. Oklahoma's coming to town. I won the last two games against Oklahoma. This is it. Like Whether you're 100% or 70% or 40%, if you go out there, you go out there. I mean, this, this is this is why you're doing it. You should be an attorney. Are you not an attorney, are you? You should be an attorney. That's a pretty good argument there, buddy. You might be able to do that uh, in, in a courtroom. I, I agree with all of that. I, I can't argue with that in any way, shape, or form. I, You know what? Coaches say it. Players say it. This is a pretty short game at, at the end of the day. And you don't want to give up opportunities if, if they present themselves, right? And I say that to say this. If he is capable of playing, he's going to be in there Saturday. I'm not telling you he's going to be. I'm just telling you how he thinks. If I can do it, I'm in there. Yeah, I've I've had the pleasure of talking to Skyler quite a few times now, and the kid's a competitor. So I'm yeah, not going to be shocked. By, I'm not going to be shocked <laughs> if we see yeah. number seven out there on Saturday. But if we don't, how is Will Howard looking? It has been, just from afar, watching the games, Seems like it's been a struggle for Will, uh, especially when it comes to getting something going in the passing game. Clearly things didn't go the way they wanted them to go in Stillwater, but is this offense still capable of doing some damage this weekend with Will Howard at quarterback? I think yes is the short answer, it, capable, but but it's also doing it consistently. Um, I think Will has made great strides from last year in terms of learning the offense. What happened to him last year was pretty unfair, and you guys are obvious to that. You you know how hard it would be to to be in the spring, and it gets canceled because of COVID. Come the summer, it gets canceled because of COVID. I mean, he had no chance, and then three games in, 
as a freshman he's playing. But he's reshaped his body. He's worked really hard. He's a bright kid. You'd really like him if you could talk to him. He knows a lot of football, and he's made progress. But I think if you're if you're ever after COVID going to go onto the road for the first time in a hostile environment um, against a veteran defense, my one of my last choices would have been Oklahoma State. <laughs> and 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 then on top of that, he got dinged up in the game, and. I think he's a better football player than we've seen. And yet, the reality is Oklahoma State, then Oklahoma, off week in Iowa State. I don't know that there's a team in the league that starts any tougher than that. It's state. You know it's football. There's no excuses out there. But I would like one other game in there to maybe break that up a little bit. But, hey, that's above my pay grade, right? Um, But it it is – let's cut to the chase. K-State's chances are a lot better as Skyler plays just based on the 36 games in which he's played as opposed to, you know, what Will's done. And that's reality's reality. How do you feel about the offensive line? I feel like um, it seems like a solid group. I did think they were going to run, even without Skyler out there, I did think they were going to run the football a little bit better against Oklahoma State, knowing that Oklahoma State's uh, got a really good veteran defense. But, um, they're going to have to play well against Oklahoma. And Absolutely, Teddy. If they're going to be able to play the game that it's going to take to beat Oklahoma, usually they're going to have to be able to run the ball and possess it. Uh, totally correct. And I think up until last Saturday, people in these parts, Wildcat fans everywhere, were really excited. They rushed for 200 yards against Stanford. They rushed for 200 yards against Southern Illinois. They rushed for almost 270 yards against a pretty veteran Nevada defense. So there was no reason to think that you couldn't go in there and run some. Maybe not 200 yards, but also not 62 either. And Coach Kleiman talked at his press conference Tuesday about the blocking was just ordinary. And against Nevada, it was extraordinary because they not only blocked them, but they stayed through those blocks. And... If they don't do that this weekend, I think they'll struggle again, to be honest. I, I, I like the group. I don't know that they're playing as as well as I thought they did two weeks ago and three and four weeks ago, but that will be a, certainly a thing to watch, especially if, if it is Will and Jaron uh, at the controls offensively. Looking, l- looking at the weapons for whoever plays quarterback, clearly everyone and their dog knows about Deuce Vaughn. At this point in time, I mean, he's, he's such a fun player to watch. I mean, he is a dynamic play waiting to happen. Why? But also, Joe Irvin. I mean, now you look at this combo of running backs for the Wildcats. I mean, that is, that's a dangerous duo. They're not the biggest guys. They, right. they don't look the best in their jerseys, but man, they, they produce. Well, Deuce is an extraordinary talent from so many levels from my perspective. And I think he's proven with some blocking help, that he can even run inside the tackles. I think we saw that in the Nevada game. But, I mean, he was taken completely out of the game the other night against Oklahoma State in Stillwater because of the way they play, their physicality, their toughness, whatever you want to say, the the issues that K-State had in blocking them, the quarterback issues and all of that. And with all of that said, he still made a play where it's a four- or five-yard pass where he had fallen down, he's actually sitting on his fanny, gets up, catches the ball, and goes 55 yards. He, he is a special talent that way. It's, it's, it's insane to, 
to go back and, and watch it. And I appreciate what you say about Joe Urban because, you know, as you know, he opted out a year ago after getting a little snippet or two um, in 19, and he plays and runs hard. I, I think that's the thing that's given him an opportunity. Those guys, have, they're going to have to do something. Um, it, it's a real challenge against Oklahoma because if you really study numbers, they're not – They've done a really good job against the rush. They put pressure on the quarterbacks. I just got through a little while ago watching the Nebraska game, and it seemed like they had 15 sacks in the last five minutes of the game. <laughs> you know, it, it, they, they can get there, and it, so it's problematic, no question about it. Well, I, and the, the run of the football is going to be critical, but, you know, if, if you can't, you still have to figure out a way to get Deuce Vaughn the football. Yeah. And you yeah. mentioned – getting him out of the backfield, he killed us last year out of the backfield. I imagine that's going to be a focus for Oklahoma, but it's still got to be a big thing for Kansas State to try and attempt, no matter who's at the helm quarterback-wise. Is that something that you see with them, trying to maybe do some things that we haven't even seen yet with him, uh, force him to football, maybe line him up and empty and throw some tunnel screens or just give him the football a couple of different ways and see if we can tackle him? I'm in total agreement with all of that. I think in this scenario, you have to do everything humanly possible to get him 20 to 25 touches. You just really, your chances are minimized if you don't. Um, and the tunnel screen, I think, is something that he will flourish at because he has terrific hands. Um, and, and I think, you know, to be honest, even in just the straight up run blocking, if, if it's decent, you know, it gives him a chance because he's so quick. He's so hard to see. And if you don't have a good angle, you're going to have a hard time getting him to the ground. So that's one of the real factors, no doubt about that. Uh, I, and at the end of the day, I think K-State's got to play really good defense to win this game, too. Not too many people are talking about that, and I know we will, but, but that's going to be paramount. Yeah, the defense. Now, it's, I mean, it's your 20th year. Yeah. How weird is it to see them in the three-man front all the time? I mean, I, I, I've i turned it on, Wyatt, and every time I feel like i got to do a double take. I mean, it's the weirdest thing in the world my entire life, whether it was as a fan, as a kid, as a player in college, after yep. college. Now, like, K-State's always been a four-man front, always. Right. And now they have embraced the Iowa State method, right? Rush three, drop eight a lot of the time, a lot of deep zone coverage. It's it's interesting. Is it effective so far through your eyes? I think it has been, generally speaking, yes. And, and I think it has been because of the depth in the defensive front, because we basically, for the first time in a while, uh, really have guys there that can rotate through. I, I don't know that we have necessarily – uh, a second Khalid Duke, but I do think, as an example, when he went down, that injury Trump, was that was oh, BS. It, it was terrible. Guy, guy rolled yeah. up on him. I saw I, I watched yeah. the Nevada game. That's for such a difference maker for that defense to get hurt in that yeah. way. That's I can't imagine Coach Kleiman's very pleased with how that. No, I, I'm down. sure not. And it, it was a monster blow because he was our most disruptive player uh, defensively. And with all due respect to Daniel Green or John McPherson, whoever else you want to say, he just was that. 
I think they really, really are appreciative of, of Bronson Massey, who came back for a super senior season. Are you guys used to saying that now? Yeah. And then also Nate Matlack, I think, is going to be a really good player. He's just a redshirt sophomore. He's got some explosion to him. He's gotten stronger. He's still not where they want him to be yet, but he's going to be a really good player. But uh, the point is, is that they do have better depth, and that's given them a chance. One thing that's probably been overlooked is is the, the uh, Charlotte transfer tackle, uh, Timmy Horn. He is a we, – we, in the years that I've been here, K-State hasn't had very many guys that look like that in terms of his his body, his size. He's got some mass to him, and um, he's, he's done a pretty good job, pretty good football player. Has Kleiman talked much about like, kind of where that originated and why he made the choice to, to go that direction after, you know, what they've done for so long? I think there's a lot of theories out there about it, but, but I would tell you I think it, it comes down to this. I think when they, they realized they were going to get Timmy Horn, um, and because of personnel everywhere else, it was kind of the thing to do. Last year, K-State struggled, as you know, at times against teams that got you spread out. I think they are better at linebacker, certainly, with Daniel Green now, but they still don't have the depth there that they need. And the transfer portal helped K-State a lot in terms of the secondary. We've got a, a starting free safety from the transfer portal, a starting corner, and probably against Oklahoma, a starting nickel in Reggie Stubblefield. That's pretty significant. So I think it was personnel-driven and strength-driven more than anything else. Will they stay with it long-term? I think it's here for this year, certainly. Uh, going forward, at least for a little while, maybe. I don't know that it's if it's going to look like that three to five years from now, though. I just, I just have a, no feel for that yet. So you mentioned Stubfield possibly being back. They've had a couple guys banged up yep. on the defensive side. Ha, has Chris Kleiman given any sort of indication of what guys may be available in this game because they need everybody, right? I, they I mean, do. They, yes. they need everybody. And right now, I mean, they have several starters that are questionable for this one. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. Um, going back to the Oklahoma State game, that was a tough one on, on a lot of levels, but it was also a, a very physical game. Uh, I think just off the top of my head, Echo Boydo, a corner, got dinged up a little bit. T.J. Smith, a little bit. Reggie Stubblefield was hurt in the in the ball game prior against Nevada. So you're starting to – we talked about depth, but it's funny how that can evaporate pretty quickly over a couple of weeks' stretch. I think most of those guys will be available. Um, I, I haven't gotten the sense yet, uh, although I think it could happen in maybe one case. We'll see that that maybe they just won't be ready to go this weekend against OU and everything is significant in this in this week's game. That's pretty pretty bluntly obvious. <laughs> you mentioned linebacker, uh, you know, moving to a three man front, it, it could be difficult. You know, a lot of teams still kind of play it as a four four man front, but uh, you'll also play some true three man stuff and. It could be way more difficult. You can have guards up to the next level way easier that you've got to, you've got to battle with in the run. Uh, you're asked to do quite a bit more in the pass. If you're going to play some big zone stuff, you have to be really good zone players. What have you seen from that group adapting to that new scheme? 
I really think there's a lot of – it's a great question, by the way, and I, I think there are several angles you could go about it. But I think – I'll give you the example of Julius Brents. You know, we recently, if you follow Kansas State football, you would have a hard time finding a corner in this program that has his size and athleticism and coverability, uh, whether it's in man or whether it is in zone. But he, I think he is a, a really good zone cover guy. You know, I mentioned Echo Boydo a moment ago, <laughs> not trying to be funny in any way, but going into our game in Norman last year, most people didn't even know who he was. And because of COVID, he was thrust into action in the game and actually held his own and, and did a pretty good job. So I think there has been progress made there. I hope I'm answering your question because I do think, you know, at the end of the day, they've done it again. The OSU game kind of put a damper on some of this stuff, but I, I do think overall they are covering better. I think what was lacking a little bit in the OSU game that was very prevalent in the beginning, the team, like, it, 11 hats to the ball, baby, and, and playing with some fire and some passion. I think that was a little bit uh, lacking on Saturday, but give OSU credit. First play from scrimmage, they have a little swing pass out of the backfield to Jalen Warren. He goes 52 yards, and all of a sudden you're on your heels a little bit. And, and that was kind of the start of a, a pretty tough deal. That K-State adjusted. They were better in the second half. But by that time, it's 31-13. And, you know, the, this is not the world's best play from behind team. That's obvious. A, a guy that has stood out to me, Wyatt, is T.J. Smith, kind of in that third safety yep. role. Uh, once again, another guy that's been a little banged up. Is he – do you know if he's going to be ready to roll in this one? And if not, like, do they have a guy that they feel good about filling in that void if he can't go? Because he's not very big, but, man, he, he makes some plays now. Yeah, very perceptive on your part, Gabe, because he is a guy that likes to get to the line of scrimmage, and he will put a lick on you. He can run. He's athletic. He, again, maybe not the biggest guy in the world, but you could tell last year this was a guy who had a chance to really help K-State this year. I, I do, just being honest about this, I think he's one of those guys that there's a big question mark uh, this weekend on um, not, not maybe as much as will he play, but how close to 100% can he be? I, I think that's a lot of times you, you see guys out there toughing it out and what have you, whether it's Oklahoma, K-State, whoever it might be. That happens all the time in the game. You guys know that as well as anybody. And so I think we're going to have some of that uh, in this game. And I just like his toughness, and I, I think he'll if he's capable, he's going to be out there because he, he loves the game and he's a big hitter. How's McPherson been? Um, last year he had an unbelievable game against OU. <laughs> Love he, really, he played yeah. great. He was smacking people. He was all over the field. And I remember leading up to that game, Gabe and I were talking about him, and then, and then like pregame during the game, it's like this kid is something special. And I honestly, I thought that in last year, kind of, it was what it just kind of fell apart for you guys, and I understand that. But I was, I was thinking that this year he was going to burst back onto the scene and be one of those talked about safeties in this conference. I, I think he's been solid. I don't know, in all honesty, if he is playing to the level that you're describing, and, and I agree with you a thousand percent. The game that he played in Oklahoma, I don't think K-State walks out of there with a win that day uh, had he not played anywhere to, capable to that level. He, he was awesome. 
he is a, a really, really fine athlete. And I think up and above and beyond that, he's been around here a long time and has probably as much knowledge about Coach Kleiman's defense as anybody uh, around. And so you, you hope in these big kind of games that, uh, you know, he's very prevalent because he's, he's, he can be special. I think you saw that a year ago. Wyatt, you're the man. Can't, <laughs> can't wait to visit you in Manhattan this weekend, man. Yeah. What, what are you going to, are you going to have stuff ready for me and Teddy when we get into our booth? Like some, some snacks, sure some that treats. freezer is plugged in with the Choco Tacos. I usually <laughs> average somewhere between eight and ten Choco Tacos when I'm up there. Do you really? You're oh, a man yeah. to admit that. Yeah. I, I, it starts to get awkward. I go back to the freezer so yeah. many times. It, it's really funny because that's, they kind of police it now because it's become so popular. People sneak up there to grab three or four and shove them in their pocket and walk out. So now here's the thing: I'm yeah. I don't go all at one time. I wait right. it out. I have a couple early, and I just go yep. back and check on see what the inventory's looking like. <laughs> but by the end of the night, you better believe I'm getting it in. But but number one is the Choco Taco. Oh yeah, by no a mile. doubt about it. Yeah, by a mile. It's not. You want to take close. a guess at what stands is? His is the Snickers. Ooh. I'm telling you, it's it's two pregame, at least one at halftime, maybe two. He hits it pretty hard, too. Those, he doesn't mind me those, telling that. Those ice cream Snickers have like a 1,000 calories in them. Yeah. They're oh, amazing, yeah. though. I'm not saying I don't partake because I do, <laughs> but I need that like I need kicked in the head. Uh, so I, I try really hard to stay away, boys. I, I really do. I try hard. Well, Wyatt. We'll see you Saturday, man. And Looking forward to it. Hey, have a Choco Taco waiting on us. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, fellas. Choco Taco's waiting on us when we get there, right? Uh, it's the best road trip of the year. Can't wait. Love Wyatt. He's fantastic. The hospitality at K-State is great. I hate it. It feels weird. It's, you know, I want someone to be mean whenever we're up there. I want to be angry whenever we play. Not don't don't treat us that nicely. Doesn't work that way. Stupid Manhattan. Do what OU does and and have the worst press box in history, where it's, everything's uncomfortable. There's no food or drinks anywhere to be seen. They check your uh, your pass like you're going into a, checking into in and out of a prison. It's wild. <laughs> Luckily, I just get to be on the field and don't have to deal with that. Oh, that was good. All right. Do you own a business? If you do, you need it. God, that was so good. <laughs> like you're going in and out of a prison. Oh, okay. Right. We must have had like a massive like rash of people roaming around in the press box when they weren't supposed to be there. They check you in and out when you go. They scan your deal. And whenever you go get food, they write your name down like because God forbid someone get back in line and grab another cookie. Okay. that's probably best we don't talk about that anymore all right do you own a business if you do you need insurica in your life insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout oklahoma texas and the southwest insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers they compare and contrast covering offerings coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. 
If you're business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And, guys, it is still warm outside, and you know what that means. It is hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coupeo Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like cherry limeade and ocean water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery store, convenience store, and liquor store, Sonic Hard Seltzer. National College Football Roundup, Ted. Number 21, Baylor, at number 19, Oklahoma State. Two 4-0 football teams going at it. Spencer Sanders coming off possibly the best performance we've ever seen from him. And they got some pieces back on the offensive line. And that zone running scheme with Jalen Warren, man, it's yeah. it's looking solid. I mean, Tay Martin and Brendan Presley are making big plays out of wide receiver. It will, it will be interesting to see how the Baylor defense holds up. Uh, they've done some good things this year. They haven't been dominant by any means, but Terrell Bernard. Terrell Bernard, your man, went down last week. So that is that is a big void for them to fill. I like what I've seen from Baylor's offense. I like what I've seen from Gary Bohannon so far at quarterback for the Bears. Their zone running scheme with Ebner and Smith has been very efficient. They're one of the best rushing teams. Now, their first three games, they didn't play anyone. So right. that's that you gotta factor that in, but They've been efficient running the football, and I just feel, and I always get this feeling, I don't know why, but I just feel like this Oklahoma State defense is going to make enough plays to win, right? That's just kind of what they do. I like what I'm seeing from Baylor, but it's in Stillwater. As long as they don't kick the ball to Treston Ebner, I I think the Cowboys are going to be good. It's such a weird game to pick. Because I, I, I like both defenses. I like Oklahoma State's a little bit more, but I like both defenses. It's really about whose offense do you like more. And uh, Bo Hannon's done some good things. They're running the football well. He's smart. He's efficient. He'll also give you a little bit in the run game himself. Uh, Oklahoma State has been total crap offensively this season until last week against K-State. They broke out. The running game's been solid. They've shown some good things in the running game, but it's been pretty stagnant. Now all of a sudden they've they've broken out a little bit, and Spencer Sanders has a good game. It's been three years between good games for him. So do I believe that, it's going to be another three years before he plays a good game. Was this a mirage? Was this a just stumbled upon it? Or is it something that he can actually replicate? I don't know. Whose offense do you trust more? Bohannon, really unproven, solid day against Iowa State. But that's you, we've really got one game to go off of from both of these teams. And who do you trust more? I don't know, man. I 
everything tells me to pick Baylor. But admittedly, everything in here is massively biased against Oklahoma State. So I don't know how to weigh that. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's tough. I I guess I'll give Oklahoma State the edge since they're playing at home. But I, it would not shock me at all if Baylor went in there and not just beat them but did it handily. Does it? Does it change your feeling about this game at all, knowing that they will be honoring the 2011 Big 12 championship Oklahoma State team? Just a reminder, the one Big 12 championship they have in the history of the program. What do you think about that? You know, cause I know When you've only guys, won one, you yeah. definitely should celebrate it on its 10-year anniversary. You, you Could you imagine – a five, you should celebrate it on intervals of five years, not ten, if it's your only one. Could you imagine the reaction if someone called you, like if Joe Castiglione called you and was like, hey, we're going to celebrate one of the Big 12 championships. You'd be like, what? That's It'd weird. Be funny because you could celebrate, if we did a 10-year celebration, you'd have a celebration nearly every year. Be cool. I I suppose that's the difference in the programs. Right. I'm just kidding. I I will say they're honoring our boy Whedon. I'm excited for him. I'm interested in that because a lot of guys from the 2011 team are not happy with what's happened there after that. Like that was supposed to be – that was it. This is changing Oklahoma State football. This is going to be – this is where it all turns around. And that didn't really happen. I can I can make fun of them for honoring a Big 12 championship team while also acknowledging that they whooped our ass that year. Yeah. It was bad. I went to Did that not game. go well in Stillwater for the Sooners in that one. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on. That's <laughs> enough. That's enough of that. Number eight, Arkansas at number two, Georgia. Arkansas has been the best story in college football. So far, but this one, it, it kind of feels like a statement game for the Georgia Bulldogs. And I know Arkansas is coming off that big win over A&M, but sounds like KJ Jefferson, a little banged up. Will he be able to add to the Arkansas running game that has been so effective? Dude, I just don't think they'll be able to run it against that Georgia defensive line. I mean, those are some bad dudes along the defensive front for the dogs. Maybe they can hit them on some bombs to Traylon Burks. I really like him, but I am excited to see Barry Odom's defense against JT Daniels in that Georgia offense. And a couple notes. does sound like Georgia is getting a few guys back for this one. Tyke Smith. Huge. The West Virginia transfer, who is a damn good player, sounds like he'll be back. And then Darnell Washington, who is supposed to be a stud tied in, will be back for the Dogs. I just, I, I think Sam Pittman's magic runs out in this one, man. It's in Athens. Give me the Dogs. Yeah, it probably does. But, you know, I don't have a whole lot to go on. Like if you're if you're taking Arkansas, it's really it's a momentum play. 
it's it's you're saying that there's there's some serious belief in this team, and I'm telling you, man, I've witnessed it before firsthand that whenever people all of a sudden start feeling something special is happening, you get way more buy-in. You have more guys watching extra film. You have more guys staying after after practice. You have guys deciding that we need to we need to get extra conditioning in. Like whenever something special's happen, everyone buys in, and I, it just has that feeling with Arkansas right now. Is it going to be enough? Probably not, considering that they're they, they've got some nagging injury stuff going in while Georgia's starting to get healthy themselves. But I will say this: I do think that Georgia is a little overhyped right now, offensively. It, I, yeah. I, listen, I do think that Arkansas's defense is going to, I don't know what the definition of containing Georgia's offense, but mm-hmm. I don't think Georgia's going to score 50 or anything like that in this game. I don't think that's no. going to happen. No, I, I I do think that, that Georgia offensively is overhyped, but in effect of that, I think the whole team is overhyped. It's being – it's being like passed around out there like it's Alabama 1A and Georgia 1B. I, I I think Georgia has flaws. I think they're good. I think they're great defensively, but offensively I think they have flaws and they are not above a couple of turnovers, a miscellaneous touchdown on a blocked kick or a return away from losing a football game to Arkansas in their own place. I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a, a ten point game at most. And I will say I've I've lost for a little more of Arkansas this week. Trey Williams, defensive end for them, wearing fifty five. If anyone's going to make a game changing play, I think it's that guy. Really like him. The front man, they run to the ball. It's a good group. Now you got me thinking. Like I will say this: spread spread as of now eighteen and a half. Straight up disrespectful, man. It is, it is. I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's a not on top of everything else. It's a weird year in college football, man. It is a weird year. And Arkansas is the team that has a gajillion super seniors, like they're old mm-hmm. and experienced. So I'm just hoping it's entertaining. I think Georgia wins. If I had to pick someone. Against the spread, I'd take Arkansas. Right. I can see him keeping it uh, pretty, pretty, pretty close. But th- I feel like this game—you you have been waiting for this game for a long time because I'm not sure you root for anyone other than Oklahoma. Of course, I'm not sure you root for anyone more than you root for Cincinnati. <laughs> number seven, Cincinnati, at number nine, Notre Dame. Simple question for you. Who do you think the better team is? Cincinnati. I I think you're right. I agree. And sometimes we, we try to break a game down from every angle, right? I think sometimes football's simple. Who's got the better quarterback and who's got the better defense? And while... Kyle Hamilton is an awesome player. 
for Notre Dame, and their defensive line played really well, played better than I thought they would last week against Wisconsin. Cincinnati's definitely got the better quarterback. Desmond Ritter is a dynamic player, and not just as a runner. He, he spreads it around to a bunch of guys. He's more accurate than people realize. He can't rip it. And we don't really even know who Notre Dame's quarterback is going to be in this game, right? Will Jack Cohn be ready to go? Will Tyler Buckner be back for this one? Is it going to be third string Drew Pine? I think that's his name. I'm sorry if I didn't get your name right, Drew. But I guess the the, the only thing that has me hesitant on really going all in on the Cincinnati stuff, Ted, is the fact that Marcus Freeman is now the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. He is going to know everything that is going to mess Desmond Ritter up because he did it for, what, three or four years. So that makes me a little hesitant, but you would assume these staffs are going to be very familiar with what the other team is going to want to do. but. I do think Cincinnati's going to have some success running the football with Jerome Ford. I think their offensive line is solid. Notre Dame, with all of its O-line issues, I'm not sure it's going to have a ton of success against Cincinnati's defense. Like, my Jay Sanders is a dude, man. He looks the part. So it just feels like this is Cincinnati's Super Bowl, right? And I think they're going to win. I won't be shocked if they lose, but for college football, I hope Cincinnati gets it done. It'd be awesome. I agree. Be fun. Just like I said on the last matchup, it's a weird year, okay? And even though it's not weird to say that the better team is going to win the football game, we've seen some of these non-Power 5 teams that are really good have a moment like this where – they're going against a, a Power 5 team that's got a, a low number next to their name, and you feel like they're the better team, and they go out there and they absolutely choke. They make way too much of the game. They try and do things that they don't need to do, and they choke. Cincinnati feels like they are prepared for this. They've been waiting for this moment. And i got to tell you, I, if you're a fan of college football, Root for Cincinnati here. I already, already this season, there's so many more fan bases engaged with what's going on than there typically is. It's made the year so cool. And we're four games in. We're four games in. And there's how many teams you, there's more teams that have a chance of making the playoff this year than we've had in the last like five years combined. It's awesome. So I think you're going to see some wild stuff, and I think Cincinnati gets it done. And after that, can they just hang on? They got a tough one against SMU late. Um, they still have to play Central Florida. It's not going to be easy, but this is a big one for them. If they win this game, they may even be able, because of the weird year, they may even be able to to have a loss somewhere. No. Zero chance. Zero chance Cincinnati makes the playoffs if, it, if they lose a game. Not happening. I don't know. I don't know. You've got to put a lot of trust in a, it has a been Pac-12 proven. that's been horrible. You've got to have a lot of trust in a Big Ten that's been bad. I mean, you got four SEC teams. 
The ACC I will is bet terrible. you whatever you want to bet that a one-loss Cincinnati is not getting into the college football playoff ever. Well, I I tend to agree with that, but like I said, it's a weird year. And I don't trust that anyone, Alabama included, is going undefeated. Which brings us to our next game. Number 12, Ole Miss, with two weeks to prepare, going to number one, Alabama, what, first uh, 50? Maybe? Uh, 60? Yeah, yeah. 50? You go I, high, keep going. I I am not sure there's a better quarterback in the country than Matt Corral right now. Arm strength, accuracy, touch on the deep ball, willingness to take risks with the Swagger, football. yeah. Swag, I mean, super athletic. Adds to the running game. I think he's got like five rushing touchdowns. And Dontario Drummond and Jonathan Bingo, a dynamic wide receiver duo. I mean, he's he's got dudes he's throwing to. And and I know Bama's defense isn't elite right now, and, and there's no doubt they're going to struggle with the tempo that Ole Miss plays with. I mean, it is just at times they put it in hyperdrive, man. But I do think Bryce Young and that Bama passing game with Jameson Williams and John Mechie and all those freaks they got at the skill positions, they're going to put up points. I mean, there's just no doubt in my mind. For whatever reason, it would be awesome for Lane Kiffin to be the first assistant to beat Nick Saban. I just can't imagine it happening, man. I've, I've tried. I've tried to get on the Ole Miss side of this game, and I just can't see Bama losing at home to get Lane Kiffin. I can't, I, I can't close my eyes and see it. So there also, there also is with, with all the positive, stuff around Matt Corral right now. There also is that possibility he reverts back to what he did last year. A couple, like, four and five interception games. That could happen Saturday in Tuscaloosa. So I am – I'm going with the tide. I I think betting against Alabama at home is just – it's just silly. I'm not going to believe that Ole Miss is going to Tuscaloosa and winning until I see it with my eyes. They're going to do it. They're going to win. You're going to see it with your eyes. Yeah, they're going to, they're going to pull it off. Uh, Matt Corral. I think Matt Corral is the best player in college football this year. I do. Do you enjoy watching anyone more than him? No. I'll, I'll say this. Now he's the most exciting. What'd you say? So Bryce Young is pretty fun to watch. Bryce Young is pretty fun to watch. Also, I've caught up on all the Texas games this week. Bijan Robinson's really good. Yeah. He's very fun to watch. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Well, but quarterback-wise, I think I, I'm with you. Corral is – he is – and with kind of his attitude and, like you said, the swag, he's he's got a little baker in him, right, when it comes to his demeanor on the field, his attitude. Like, he's – he is the most entertaining player in college football right now. It takes an extreme amount of confidence to go in in Tuscaloosa. Joe Burrow had it. Johnny Manziel had it. Matt Corral kind of fits that that kind of group. 
Uh, their offense is amazing. It's fun to watch. Defensively, they've been better. Um, like Lane Kiffin going in there to like Lane Kiffin will have as much to do with that victory as I will if OU goes and beats Kansas State. He's like he's like a figurehead head coach. He's not even like he doesn't call the plays. He acts like he calls the plays. Uh, he's he's an absentee head coach is what Lane Kiffin is, and that's like the only reason I don't want to see it done because I know that he's going to get all the credit for it, and it doesn't really have anything to do with him. Okay, but, let's just say it. Let's say it. you and I have heard very similar things. Jeff Levy runs that thing, man. He does. It's, Former that's Jeff Levy's football team. Ran it in the off season, from what I was told. Yeah. Yeah, because Lane Kiffin didn't show up and wouldn't answer the athletic director's calls and is, like, all over the place, stupid stuff, stupid. Let but him, man. He is, and I'm telling you, they're going to go in there, they're going to score a ton of points, they've got the swagger to do it. Yeah, I mean, it can come off the rails really quickly, but I think they got a really, really good chance to go pull it off. And you know what, Gabe? It's not a very good by argument, there's no backing, but I continue to throw it out in, like, the last three matchups, so I'll say it again. It's a weird year, man. That's your that's your year. motto. <laughs> that's your motto. <laughs> I like it. I like – I mean, you're right. It is a weird year. Let, let's take a look at what uh, what the odds makers think. Ooh, Bama, minus 14 and a half. Okay. It's okay. gone up. I I thought it was like wasn't it twelve at one point? Twelve and a half, I think, is is what they were favored, and it's one, extending just a little bit there. One more thing to motivate Matt Corral. Just think of it that way. Yeah. One note, Ted, that may make you uncomfortable. Ole uh-huh. Miss freshman, true freshman kicker. Ooh. It comes down to that. Just one thing to note. Yeah. And on yeah, that note, that is pretty brutal. Are you unhappy with the surface around your pool? Are you not pleased with your patio? Softrock specializes in installing safe rubber surfacing for pools, patios, gym floors, and other outdoor spaces. Softrock's rubber safety surfacing provides a long-lasting surface that is impact and slip resistant, fully customizable, and virtually indestructible. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark are avid OU fans that are driven to help you with all of your pool and patio surfacing needs. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass filled joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedriveway.com slash OKC for all your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Softrock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And OU Texas Weekend is just around the corner. And if you're looking for events, hotels, or transportation, the OU Club of Dallas has you covered. Visit OUClubofDallas.com for all the details. The home for Sooner fans is the Renaissance Addison with rooms priced at only $187 a night. It's also the site for the Beat Texas Pep Rally on Friday night. With exclusive appearances by the Pride of Oklahoma marching band, OU cheer squads, Boomer and Sooner, and more. On Saturday, you can ride in style with police-escorted buses to the game. That's worth it, people. Uh, 
believe me, that's totally worth it. The OU Club of Dallas has been the go-to source for Beat Texas Weekend since the 1950s, and proceeds from the weekend fund OU scholarships. Check out OUClubofDallas.com before these events sell out. Ted, let's wet the beak real quick. I know all you're concerned about in the NFL this weekend is Tom Brady going back to Foxborough. I get it. I know. Bucks first Patriots. But really, I don't think that's going to be a very good game. I think the Bucks are going to roll. I, I, I think everything is set up for Tom to break the hearts of all New England Patriots fans. There's some other good games. Carolina at Dallas, I think, is a, is going to be a fun one. Cleveland at Minnesota, I think that's going to be a little closer than some people may think. But by far the most interesting game for me, the Arizona Cardinals going to SoFi Stadium to take on the L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams are a four-and-a-half-point favorite currently. Both teams undefeated, 3-0. and And I know it's a little too early to start talking about the MVP race, but I certainly think Kyler Murray and Matt Stafford would be at the top of the list right now if we were to have that conversation. Everyone talks about Arizona's offense. Kyler and all those weapons, right, Hopkins, Kurt, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore has resurrected, right? He was hurt for two years in a row with Purdue, and now he's awesome again. It's it's pretty fun to watch. But Arizona's defense, a little underrated. Uh, they've done a really good job of yeah. forcing turnovers, defending the pass well. You know, they, they are not great against the run, but it's not like the Rams are going to run it right at them. I mean, this is a team that wants to air it out with Stafford, and uh, I hope everyone out there has Cooper Cup on their fantasy football teams because that made us – racking up fantasy points. It's got defensive star power in this one. I know J.J. Watt's not what he was, but he's still J.J. Watt. Taylor yeah. Jones, Buda Baker, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. Like, dude, this game is going to be awesome. It's the who's who of the NFL right now. It's sweet. There's, like, there's I no saw it. I was it. like, oh, hell yeah, let's go. Yeah. Here's the thing, man. I like – the Cardinals. I, I think they're fun to watch. I think Kyler is – I've said it a bunch recently that he's on the verge of being the best quarterback in the NFL. I think I really think that that's going to happen in the next year or so. Uh, so fun. So dangerous uh, whenever he takes off. Smart. Can make all of the throws. And you're right, Arizona's defense is better than they've been. But L.A., just too much star power too good offensively, and whatever. Like the one thing that I would say Arizona does have a problem with is protecting the quarterback, and L.A. is going to be able to get after Kyler Murray. Now, does that mean that they're going to have a bunch of sacks? No, but it does mean that they can force. Like the one thing Kyler has done this year is turn the football over. I think he's got four interceptions already. He has had some some, turnovers. Some people say – that he he has a couple of YOLO throws a game. I can't remember who said that on Twitter. I wish I could remember, but I was like, that's yeah, that's good. that's a great way of describing it. Yeah, it, I I I feel like it, you got two good offenses. I trust LA's defense to give Kyler more trouble than I trust Arizona's defense to give Stafford trouble. I'm with you. 
I it feels like one of those games where maybe Kyler makes a mistake or two, Jalen Ramsey picks him off, something like that. It, it Who feels like the game. Rams played a couple years ago. I think it was Monday night, where or maybe it was a Thursday night game, where it was like forty-five. Rams Chiefs. Is that what it was? Remember, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, this is the best game ever!" Right. And people, were, I remember because people were like, "This is Big Twelve football. You guys yeah, you have been giving us shit for this for years." <laughs> right. It, was it, awesome. it could be something like that, though. It could. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I. I think this is a game where after it we're all going, okay, Rams are the best team in the league. I agree. I think this is kind of a one of those statement games for them. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Kyler rolls. If last week wasn't, I mean, that's a couple of statement games in a row, isn't it? I will say this. Matt Stafford's an awesome dude. Great teammates. He's awesome. Fantastic. He is throwing the football this year, man. Fun. All right, let's get to our winners and losers of the week. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I don't think there's any other place you can go than Tom Brady returning to Foxborough with the Super Bowl trophy already. I, It's just because whenever he left, it's like, okay, well, Who's more responsible, Belichick or Brady? Which I think is is a bad way to really uh, like to to have that debate. But it kind of sucks for everyone in New England that he already won a Super Bowl. Not only did he he already win a Super Bowl, he looks like he's having more fun playing now than he ever did in any of his years playing in New England. So somehow. Yeah. At the age of 40-whatever, he's also the best-looking he's ever been, which yeah, is it's wild. It's perplexing. It's, it's crazy. And, you know, Belichick said if anyone could play till they're 50, it would be Tom. And I'm at the point right now where it's like a couple of years ago that it's like, that's absurd. You can't play to your, to your, until you're 50. But it's like, I don't know, dude. He's 44, and he actually looks like he's about – 35 at the oldest uh it's just to be able to do that and go in there has to feel good it's it's like you're going back to your high school reunion and you're just in a good spot you're looking good you're successful you can't wait to go back in there and show everyone how good you're doing that's what it's that's Tom Brady man and he's got Did a good football you... team with him did you see that – did you see what Tom Brady said about what his dad said? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so his dad, Tom Brady Sr., basically said that his dad – or his dad said that Belichick wanted to move on from him and that uh, I believe he felt vindicated or whatever by his last – my last championship and on on his show Tom Brady said comments made by Thomas Edward Brady a 77 year old insurance company CEO who should know better at this point in his life doesn't necessarily affect the views or positions held by his son Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. 
So so furthermore, should Tom Sr. continue to speak on behalf of his son without the express written consent, Tom Jr. reserves the right to eventually put him in a home against his will. (laughs) So good. Uh, It's hilarious. Uh, but you know, it's, it's stuff like that, man. He's having more fun right now playing football than he really ever has. Yeah. And I think, I think his eyes were opened. Like the process in New England was the process and everyone respected it and they won a lot. And I think his eyes are open. Like, man, you, you can do it differently. You can have fun. You can go out there. You can cut it loose and still win at a high level. Good yeah. to watch. That's going to be an emotional scene in Foxborough. There's going to be Patriots fans crying in their beers. It's going to be awesome. Okay, who do you have as your loser of the week? My loser is Brian Laundry. You know who that is? He is uh, the person of interest in the Gabby Petito case. And. Dr. Bounty Hunter's coming. Uh-oh. Dr. Bounty Hunter is coming, and he's going to find his ass, and he's going to find it within probably the next 24 to 48 hours. I'm telling you, Gabe, it's happening. You think he's going to find him that quick? Yeah. I guess some people are already saying that – Uh. Like, I was just talking with my wife, and she was reading somewhere that he said that he's hours away from him. Like, he's he's honing in on him. So, the last thing, and I don't know if this is is wrong or right, but, like, half the stuff I read about Dog the Bounty Hunter, I'm like, that's fake. I, I'm like, how am I supposed to know if it's real or not? But the last thing I saw, it was like he had tracked him down to some mysterious tropical island or something like that. I don't know about that. All I know is uh, I can't wait for the the scene whenever he's driving him to jail and he's giving him, you got to get your life together, man. <laughs> and, you know, the, the whole speech that he gives as he's driving him back and the guy's asking for a cigarette. Um, I don't know. This whole case has been crazy. But uh, whenever I first saw that Dog the Bounty Hunter was getting involved, I was like, oh, seriously, we're going to do that. But then – like, the more, like, the news has rolled in, it sounds like he's actually got a bunch of credible leads and he's getting close to them. I don't know, I, man. I would like to, I think it's important we go on the record that we are, we love and support the FBI. Love you guys. Sometimes you need dog on the case, though, man. That's right, man. You got to have someone that can cut through the red tape. Right and go right to the people. Hey, you say one thing about dog. He knows how to talk to people, man. They give him tips. People Please. talk to him. Someone's filming all of this, right? They gotta be. Have I to mean, be. it's dog the bounty hunter. Yeah. Have to That's be. gonna be a sweet documentary. I wonder if he's filming it himself on like a flip phone or something. You know? <laughs> that would be, as they say, that would be on brand. <laughs> I don't know, man. I hope he gets him. I hope he drags his ass in, um, and I think he's going to. I Now I'm looking at something that says a private canine unit 
is headed out to a small island off Florida where Dog the Bounty Hunter got a tip about potential traces of Brian Laundry. I'm telling you, dude. I'm telling you. He's going to find him. Come on, dog. Man, that guy. I'd forgotten about that guy. I know, honestly, if you would have said, hey, is Dr. Benny Hunter still alive? I would have said, uh, 